In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Amen. Well, I'm going to start a series called The Mystery of Altars. The Mystery of Altars. Um, Throughout the Bible, altars are a constant theme, um, especially in the Old Testament. So the questions we want to answer um, on this journey is, is what are they? What are these altars? What is their significance? What are the benefits, if any, of these altars, especially to the New Testament believer? And the first altar that was built, um, the Bible records in Genesis, the 8th chapter and the 20th verse, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. That was the first time that physically an altar had been built. Um, there'd been allusions to an altar with Cain and Abel. Um, when they brought their sacrifices, that was an allusion to an altar, uh, both of them. One altar, the sacrifice on one altar was received, the sacrifice on one wasn't. But the first time there was a physical construction of an altar was in Genesis 8, verse 20 by Noah. Now, these altars, of course, were constructed physically. We'll find out in this series that as we enter a New Testament dispensation, the the way we construct the altar changes. But the fundamentals are still the same. In fact, the Old Testament is a type and a shadow for us of the truth and the reality for the New Testament believer in the New Testament. Now, these altars were built, constructed physically, and there were were four main reasons that altars were built. Four main reasons. Number one is that they were built for worship. The background to that first altar was that the world had gone completely off course. But Noah had stayed on course. His righteousness had attracted God's attention and God's favor. And so God decided to wipe out the world. It was judgment time. And so he caused it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. But before the rain started, he asked Noah to build an ark. Noah was obedient in building an ark when it made no sense whatsoever. He was building a boat or a ship that was far from water. I'm sure he might have been ridiculed and mocked as he went about constructing this massive boat, but he obeyed God. And then God gave him an instruction as to what would happen with the ark. And you know, we, we sing about it, you know, in, a, in a, almost a glib way. The animals went in two by two, hurrah. How many know that song? The animals went in two by two, hurrah. 
Hurrah. The animals went in two by two. The what? The elephant, yeah. The, ele the elephant and the kangaroo. The animals went in two by two. Okay. So, so we sing it like that, but, but just think about it. These are animals, not even human beings. And because the creator instructed the animals, they stood in line two by two apart from seven um, pairs of the ones that were going to be used for sacrifice. But the rest of them, two by two, the animals went in. Now, you know, for a lot of us, our minds put this story in the, in the compartment of a fable or a myth until you think about it. The lion, two by two. The tiger, two by two. The giraffe, two by two. The beetle, two by two. We just named the animal. They obeyed God orderly, politely. They filed onto an ark. Noah was watching all of this. And then when they had all filed in and Noah had taken his family in, God said he should shut the, the door. And the heavens opened and the earth released water. And for 40 days and 40 nights, it rained like it had never rained before. And for 150 days, the ark, because when it stopped raining, the flood didn't subside, just to make sure that everything had died. For 150 days, the flood remained. What did Noah see? He saw God's judgment. He saw God's power. He was in awe of God when he saw what I've described to you and more. And then he knew that he had experienced God's deliverance. In Genesis 8 verse 1, the Bible says, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. At the end of it, there he was wandering. He sends out a raven. Then he sends out a dove. And he's wondering, how are we going to continue with life? And then God sends a wind and he just takes all the water away. When he comes down, the only thing he can think about is this God is awesome. He's majestic. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. There is no one like this God. Before he does anything else, he builds an altar and worships God. How does that apply to you and I? In this frantic, frenetic life, pause and see the awesomeness of God in your life and around you. Pause and look around and see the majesty of God. Pause and look at your trajectory so far. Look at the lives of others. Read the word and marvel at the power of God. And then think about the deliverance. You know, yesterday, one or two things happened. And Dr. Nuzo sent a message to Shola and I. And in the message, he said, you know, Agu, I paraphrase. He says, you and Shola should lie on the bed and laugh 
Now, why should we laugh? Because you are amazed at God's protection of you. Not just for the things you know he has protected you from. Do you know when we get to heaven and if we're shown a picture of how God has delivered from this, protected from this, we will marvel. The things God has protected you from. You know, spiritual warfare is real. Paul is not prone to exaggeration, but Paul says we wrestle against principalities and powers. When Paul says they are powers, Paul says they are powers. Believe me, they are powers. But look at you on a Sunday, looking resplendent, those of you who I can see. The rest of you, I'm sure you're looking resplendent. Well, those who are in their pajamas um, online, you're looking resplendent in your pajamas, whatever. But, 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 the, but, but, but I, don't you marvel that, that God has protected you from things you don't know? So what was, what was his response when he came down from that boat, that ark? He thought, before we do anything else, let's build an altar and worship that awesome God. That should be our response. Amen? So it's for worship. Altars are for worship. Second thing, altars are for sacrifices. They're where sacrifices are made. Exodus 20, verse 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me. This is God speaking to the children of Israel. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. So altars are for sacrifices. And we know what sacrifices are. And when you, when you call something a sacrifice, it means that it costs you something. You're foregoing something. Um, to be able to do what you are doing. So altars are for sacrifices. It costs them something. They had to find the sheep and the oxen and the birds. It didn't just drop into their laps. They had to go and probably purchase it and bring it to this altar and sacrifice it. And we'll find out when we start to see the dispensation of altars to a New Testament believer, that it still costs us something. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise or a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It costs us something. It's erroneous to think that because the ultimate altar, and we will look at that, the ultimate altar at the cross of Calvary has finished it all, that it doesn't cost us something. It costs you something. It costs you to build an altar. It will cost you at least your time. You can't pay somebody else to sacrifice for you on the altar. We would love to do that. Can you do the one hour of worship for me? Just, and I'll send the money to your account. So that we can get the results. But it, it always costs us something. To build an altar in those days, to construct it, and we'll look at how the altars were constructed, cost them something. You know, David understood it. When the plague hit the land, and he knew that the only way to stop this plague is that we've got to 
We've got to worship in a way that touches God's heart and stops the plague. When he got to Aruna's threshing floor, 2 Samuel 24, verses 24 and 25, then the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you. This David, David wanted to buy the threshing floor. No, I will surely buy it from you for a prize. No, will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So what was David saying? David was saying that threshing floor, and he had history that amazing things had been done on that threshing floor. He says, that threshing floor, I will buy it from you. It has to cost me something. So David went on, the Bible says, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And then he built an altar there to the Lord and offered burnt offering and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. David understood that to build an altar is going to cost me something. Uh, I'm not going to do it. It's not a sacrifice if it costs me nothing. Amen? So an altar is a place of sacrifice. Number three, an altar is a place for memorials. Memorials to a person or an event. So altars are places where we make memorials to a person or an event. The two tribes and the half-tribe that, that didn't cross over the Jordan with the children of Israel and settled on the other side of the Jordan, the tribe of Reuben, um, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. When they settled on the other side of Jordan, they built an altar. The Bible calls it an impressive altar in Joshua 22, verse 10. In fact, the Bible calls it a great and impressive altar. But when they built the altar, the rest of the children thought their motives, the rest of the children of Israel thought their motives were wrong. They thought what these guys are trying to do is to create an alternative site to worship God. And so they rose up to go against them in warfare. But then this is what the children of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said to explain themselves. Joshua 22, verses 1 to 4. Okay, let's read this together. You have kept all Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren this many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now, therefore, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. So what did they build that altar for? They built that altar as a memorial to a faithful God. Joshua says to them, now, battle is over. We found rest. God has fulfilled his promises. He has been faithful. So they then thought, for this God who has been faithful, who has fulfilled his promise, who has taken us into the Jordan, across the Jordan, into the promised land, we must build a memorial to him. Amen? Has God been faithful to you? Has he taken you across many Jordans? Has he put your, your feet firmly in his promises? Then our recourse, as we worship, as we sacrifice, as we build an altar, we build one 
as a memorial to the faithful God. So that if people happen to know or to see us and ask us, we say to them that this altar is being built because God has been faithful to his promises. Amen? Go and say amen if you understand that. And the fourth thing, the fourth reason we build an altar is as a witness. And what's a witness? A witness is something that tells. It's something that says, I saw, I experienced, and I'm telling you. So when the children of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were asked to explain, this is what they said. Joshua 22, verses 26 and 27. Therefore we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar. This is how they were explaining themselves, because the rest of Israel was up in arms against them. They said, no, 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 you need to understand. We built that thing, they said, firstly, because of God's faithfulness. Secondly, this is why we built it. So let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burnt offerings, not for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us that we may perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. What did they say? They said, we're building this altar to be a witness. It says, we might even have gone but this altar will continue to speak. And what it will be saying is that the people who built it are testifying that they are followers of this God and this God has been faithful to them. That's why we will build this altar. Amen? On the 30th of June, we'll build a collective altar together. And as we go on, I'll talk about how you build altars for yourself. You build family altars in your home. We build community altars as a church. Um, I'll also talk about how there are negative altars um, and there are altars dedicated to God. And believe me, altars fight themselves. That's, it, that's how it works spiritually. And the stronger our altar, uh, the more we enthrone the things of our God and our kingdom. Amen? And it's all spiritual. There are many altars in this land. Um, a lot of people don't even know those are altars. But on the 30th, we build an altar. Not just Jesus' house. We invite the body of Christ to join us to build an altar. That's the way God led, led us to do it. At Wembley, as we worship him, for upwards of four hours. Amen? Now, everything that we've said here regarding an altar, we'll be doing. Of course, we'll be worshiping him. That's what the 30th is about. That's why we've prayed to God to lead us to bring in people who have a heart for worship. So all those, all those people who are going to lead us in worship, Sinach, uh, Dunsi, uh, Nathaniel, um, um, Tim Hughes, Shivel Franklin, um, Called Out, uh, Lucy Grimble, Anriola, the tribe. We know that these are people who have a heart for worship. And really, we are saying to them, come and help us build an altar. 
And the altar, of course, is going to involve sacrifices. Those of us who are going to be there are going to be there for about four hours. That's a sacrifice. We're going to be worshiping for that time. That's a sacrifice. It's costing us a lot of money to put it together. That's a sacrifice. We've appealed to people to help us put it together, partner with us. That's a sacrifice. Because whoever is giving towards that is sacrificing something they could have used for something else to build an altar. Because they understand, as we will see, the power of altars. And of course, it's a memorial. It's a memorial to a person. It's a memorial to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are declaring loudly from Wembley that our Lord reigns. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And it's also a memorial to an event. It's a memorial to his resurrection because in his resurrection he reigns. It's a memorial to a faithful God. Those of us who are gathering there, those of us who are supporting it, who are sacrificing to support it, we're doing it because we're saying, God, you have been so faithful. The opportunity for the body of Christ across denominations to gather together and lift our voices, especially in these times, in worship to God, Jehovah, is one that we want to be a part of. And so it's a memorial to a faithful God. But it's also a witness. It's a witness. And we need witnesses in this times and this season. We need to tell the world that the church is not dead. I mean, look at this place. It's full to the overflow. They don't publish that. They tell us about dropping numbers. No, the church is very alive. Not just here. Yesterday, I spent time with Glenn Barrett of Audacious. We went to his, I mean, because both of us were involved in the procession of the coronation. So we just hung out together where the, where the Pentecostals were in the suits. I was tempted to wear a gown or something or a hat or something <laughs> just so that I don't stand out. I just thought, can they find me some gown to wear so that I can look like everybody else? But once I saw Glean in his suit, I thought, it's okay, both of us will just do what we do. But I went to his church in Manchester exploding. And we need to let the world, let the nation know that the church is far from dead. The church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is very alive. It's growing strong. Parts of it might not be, but there are parts of the church that, are, that is growing, that is attracting young people, that is attracting people of all generations, and that is on the front foot for the kingdom of God. Can someone say amen to that? So when thousands of us gather to worship, it's a witness. When they hear our voices singing to God, it's a witness that God is not dead. He's very much alive. Can someone say amen to that? So if you're not involved in the altar on the 30th, you better get involved. Yeah? You better. When, once the tickets are, 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 are released, snap up your tickets. They're free. We could have put a cost to it, but we chose not to, certainly not this first one. But that means that a lot of us have to step up to support it because it, 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 it's not free. Wembley is not free. 
And we've, we're flying in some of the worship leaders from outside the country. There are some who are local, some are flying in. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about altars. I'm going to explain the significance, explain the contention spiritually, explain how we can create altars in our own personal lives, and we'll see the, the, the power of creating corporate altars as we are planning to do um, at Wembley. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you and bless you. We glorify your name. We exalt you, O oh God. Lord, just give us revelation of, the, of, the, of this mystery, Heavenly Father, as we prepare, Father, for what you will do on the 30th, in Jesus' name. And we say amen and amen. 